Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800 State Farm. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! It's certainly early, but I'm thinking... I'm projecting that the original Thursday night football here, we should fit right into this brand new Jonathan Gannon culture, Ron Wolfley, because like JG said today, there's going to be a lot of, quote, back and forth between coaches and following up saying, hey, quote, in this building, we're going to challenge each other, end quote. (laughs) And that's exactly what we've been doing around here for over two decades. I mean, think about that. If you've been scoring at home, this is season number 22, and wait for it, show number 600 Whoa. in the history of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. That's something else, Polly, right there. And this is actually the child, metaphorically speaking, of Jim Omohundro. Is it not? Big Red Rage. Is this his baby, Polly? And he, he, we have to credit him for the big get on the Big Red Rage. Because guess who tonight's very special guest is? The same guest we had for show number four hundred. Go for it, Wolf. Present our special guest tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we give you Larry Fitzgerald. In a also moment. known as the Japanese fighting fish, Polly. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Let's leave that out when we talk to Larry next segment, okay? okay. So Larry's on deck. Uh, can't wait. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. Just Larry being Larry and winning at life, as everyone likes to say. And then <laughs> what he sees in the Arizona Cardinals going forward, what needs to happen. Of course, he's been part of that ESPN Monday Night Football crew. So, okay, we'll get all his thoughts. But Right now, give me your thoughts just on what you've seen so far of the Jonathan Gannon era. And it's not so much what you see. It's almost palpable. It's what you feel, is it? Not just the ultra-high energy that looks to be more the norm than the exception. Yeah, first of all, Paulie, I'm going to have to get used to going with JG. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean you're, you're, you're down to the initials. I just Jonathan Gannon. I don't know if I can go JG just yet, Paulie. Having said that, um, this is a young staff that is being put together right now. I, I don't know. There's, there's a couple of guys. Uh, well, I do know, as a matter of fact, at least from the coordinators, there are two of their coordinator, coordinators that are under 40 years old. And that, Paulie, I, I don't know if that sets a record in the National Football League. I, I don't know where else that's been the case, where you got a 35-year-old and Drew Petzing, and then you've got Nick Rollis at 29 years of age. The only thing that offsets that a little bit is Jeff Rogers coming back as your special team coordinator. This is a young staff that has been put together, Paulie. 
Jeff Rogers a venerable 44 years of age, right? At, yes. at, at this point, think about that. Yeah, Nick Rowless is the NFL's youngest coordinator, the defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals. He was introduced yesterday. We'll hear from him a little bit later. We'll get into that. Drew Petzing was introduced today. We'll talk all about the Cardinals offense a little bit later. We'll hear from the new OC along with the head coach who was alongside for both of those press conferences. Yesterday, Wolf, we heard from the owner, Michael Bidwell, he was on the Dave Pash podcast, and we learned a lot, a lot of really good insight. Highly recommend dialing up the Dave Pash podcast and hear the owner, Michael Bidwell, who, as Dave said, the busiest man in sports over the last month or so, hosting the Super Bowl, filling the GM and head coach spots. In fact, speaking to the GM, here's Michael on his conversations with Monty Ford about this Cardinals roster. Number one, we spent a lot of time talking about Kyler and what type of offense we should be running and how to protect him and where we should be spending our money. We've got a lot of money tied up in a couple of different positions. And so I think you're going to see that change. We're going to, I think you're going to see us beefing up the offensive line, the defensive line. We've got to get help at corner. Um, we've got to get a, a, just more protection for Kyler. Sure. And then we've got to be able to rush the passers, especially in the, in the NFC West. So, and Wolf, you've talked about it at length. We talked about it all last season. You got to win at the line of scrimmage before you can win on the scoreboard. And it looks like the Cardinals and the new decision makers have identified as much. Yeah, Polly. You know, um, my first thought here is, of course, they've talked about the offense, the type of offense that Kyler Murray's got to be in. You know how I feel about this, Paul. I've been talking about it for years now. But um, I'd love to see Kyler Murray more under center, and that is something that Jonathan Gannon already has talked about. Um, I'm sure I'm sure Drew Petzing did not like that. <laughs> did not like him out there actually talking about it because why would you talk about it at all? You don't ever want to let the opponent know what it is that you're thinking. Yet at the same time, I think it's it's important that you manage expectations, and it's not only the expectations. I think, of your coaching staff. It's also, more importantly, of your players. And that's what I liked about J.G. I like the fact he did come out and say, we're going to put him under center more. And, you know, it's going to be shotgun, of course, and under center. I think you need that, Paul. I think you need to blend the old and the new. And that's why I was glad to hear Michael actually talk about the fact they talked a long time with Monty Ossenfort about what kind of offense he needed to be in. Look, the reality is you can't put Kyler under center basically any less than what they've done right so so I don't know how revealing it really is when the stat I saw on ESPN today was that on six of 437 dropbacks last year Kyler was under center think about that so it was the lowest percentage in the NFL what's intriguing is the second lowest percentage of being under center as a quarterback on dropbacks was Jalen Hurts so yes (laughs) we'll, we'll see what that means exactly because Jonathan Gannon has said that is a very specific idea in mind of how he wants to play offense. So he will be involved with Drew Petzing in the construction and the calling of this offense, the philosophy. As for Kyler, here's Michael Bidwell on the Dave Pash podcast, just on Kyler's return. You know, I think it's going to be earlier than, you know, this midseason. So hopefully it's towards the, the beginning of the season. But, you know, I, I don't want to put any specific dates because there could be setbacks. Sure. There could be uh, it, the progress could slow. But I think right now, I mean, he's a young man. It looks like he's a fast healer. Things are going well. Um, let's hope that keeps going the way it is and and then that uh, there are no setbacks. Yeah, no timetable. In fact, Jonathan Gannon said as much again today, but I think both are bullish, optimistic that it doesn't have to be midseason. 
It could yeah. be it could be earlier. It could be towards the beginning of the season just as easily. Yeah, Paulie. You know, once again, um, I like to use a nine month. When you're talking about an ACL, I, I like to use a nine month window right there. That's right in the middle. There there are guys where it does take longer than nine months, Paulie. There are guys that does take shorter. They recover quicker, and they're out there before that nine month mark in terms of rehab. But using that right there would put him when he did it right in the middle of September for the most part and you know I think that's a good place to start now it could be sooner it could be later but I think he you've got to manage expectations to some degree on this and yet the the mid-season stuff I agree with Michael on that I, I I think that's really being pessimistic well, and everyone's different, obviously. And also, he had some meniscus damage, so how does that factor in? That's an unknown. But when Jonathan Gannon tells a story of leaving the building the other day at 9 o'clock at night, and there's a really nice car parked to his, and he, he did a 180, went back into the building, and it was Kyla Murray still yeah. rehabbing <laughs> 9 o'clock at night. So from all accounts, he's really attacked this process, and I think that's why there's definitely some optimism and then when they get back to playing offense, you heard what Jonathan Gannon or may have seen the quotes to Peter King, and he said, among other things, quote, this offense will look much different. And we got maybe a little bit more in terms of elaborating on how and where when Michael Bidwell was talking about just making things easier for Kyler. Well, I think what we're going to do is, is uh, try to take some of the pressure off of him. The way the offense was before, he, he had a choice on almost every play we ran and so we were making him think too much and we were making him put too much pressure on him and what we need him to do is to play faster and to play with that um, that confidence that'll come with okay I don't have to get every first down I can hand the ball off I know they're going to put him under center quite a bit and that's going to take some of the pressure off by the way we're going to see some of these conversations here these for ourselves we're going to see kyler behind the scenes rehabbing tonight cardinals flight plan the debut episode 2023 seven o'clock tonight you can catch it live right after the big red rage or on demand later via youtube.com slash az cardinals cardinals flight plan the emmy award winning but based on what michael said right there i mean wolf translate what are you expecting oh my goodness i love what he said right at the end paulie about the under center a little bit more and take the pressure off of Kyler Murray. That's exactly what you do when you put when you put that quarterback under center. Man, here it goes. Snap the ball, and guess what, Paulie? You run to that mesh point. <laughs> you run to that mesh point with James Conner, and you hand the ball off to James Conner. You hand the ball off to the running back, and you let the running back attack the line of scrimmage. You let him do what he does. You let that offensive line eat. You let them come off the ball with a dark heart and a painted face and try to drive somebody in the ground when you run the ball with a quarterback under center you're taking the pressure off him because now also too when you run bootlegs off that which you know okay you're going to fake the handoff and now you're going to bootleg you're going to roll out to the strong side or a waggle is rolling out to the weak side whatever way it is there's an immediate read on that so much of the time if the guy in the flat is open put it on him dump it on him right now it's there there is no decision it's like one simple decision you know, and, and I think that's something that they want to do. They want to take the pressure off of Kyler Murray by putting him under center more. And I oversimplified all of that, Paul, but I can just tell you right now, I, I know what Michael is saying, and I believe it's going to work in terms of alleviating a lot of the stress 
on Kyler Murray. Well, there was a Browns beat writer. I don't know if it was on with you, but it was on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports just talking about how he fully expects Drew Petzing to really specialize in the bootleg, a lot of play action, moving the pocket. So it's intriguing. It's definitely yes. intriguing how the Cardinals are going to use Kyler Murray. And you can catch all of Michael's comments, and I highly recommend the Pash Pod, wherever you get your podcasts. It just dropped. The owner with Dave Pash. Up next, how about the legend, Larry Fitzgerald? We talk all things Cardinals and the future with Fitz next on the Big Red Rage. With the uh, third choice in the 2004 NFL Draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Larry Fitzgerald, wide receiver, University of Pittsburgh. Warner to pass with time, fires over the middle of the Fitz, caught at the 45-50, Fitz is loose, 40, 30, goodbye, 10-5, Cardinals lead, touchdown, Larry Fitzgerald, you gotta be kidding me, a 64-yard touchdown pass by Warner to Fitzgerald and the Cardinals lead, Super Bowl 43, Palmer setting up, he's in trouble, he's hit, Gets out of there, rolls right, throws back to the left. Fitz is wide open, caught at the 35, nobody's there. He's at the 40, at the 50, turns up field at the 45, at the 40, 35, stiff arms 30, 25, 20. Fitz to the near side, 10, to the 5, and tackled there. Snap to Palmer, rolls off, and it's a pitch to Fitz, running straight ahead, into the end zone, the shovel pass for the touchdown of the win. The Cardinals advance to the NFC Championship game on a shovel pass of all things in one of the craziest games ever. Still love the no-look stiff arm. Love it. Show number 600, Wolf. You got to go big or go home. (laughs) And uh, yes, that's foreshadowing right there. Yes, he was also our guest for show number 400. And if memory serves, that was the show on site, on location, where he gave away one of Tim Hovick's cars, (laughs) unbeknownst to Tim Hovick, who was having a beer, and then realized he was giving away one of his cars up on stage. That's right, Bully. Yep. In fact, most recently you might have seen our special guest tonight is the front man of the Super Bowl host committee. Well, big title, executive chair of the Super Bowl host committee. ESPN Monday Night Football, we've seen him there. Always got a podcast with Tom Brady, by the way, right? And a multi-sport athlete these days, golf, chess, pickleball. And he played a little football along the way. Yes, we're introducing Larry Fitzgerald here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Larry, how is you? I'm doing great, man. Uh, I hope Tim is listening so we can uh, make sure we give another car away. And for some reason, I'm, I'm going back to my text message. I, I don't see the text for the 500 show, but you know, I'm glad I could be back to 600. So thank you. Fitzy, man, it is so good to hear you. Um, how's everybody doing? Everybody doing okay? Everybody's great. And then Devin got a lacrosse game later. So, you know, just doing the daddy duty. You know how it is. What kind of parent are you on the sidelines, Larry? Come on, be honest now. Wolf Wolf has to control himself on those flag football sidelines. How about you? No, I, I try to keep a low profile and um, <laughs> try not to make it about myself, man. It's, I just want to support him. I don't want to put any pressure on him and – just you know, just make sure they're having a good time. That's most important, and staying healthy. Um, but I, I don't get too involved. I try to. I, they ask me a question. Devin asked me a question. I'll answer it, but I, I don't try to interject too often. So Fitzy, it is your first year in broadcasting. Are, are you enjoying it, my brother? 
Yeah, it was a lot of fun this year. I, I enjoyed, um, you know, they, they asked me initially to do a little bit more, but I, I wanted to take a little bit more, um, you know, scarce approach to make sure it was something I really enjoyed. And, and I did. I, I enjoyed the camaraderie, not only in studio, but, you know, being, um, you know, there live for the games on Monday night was, was really cool. Um, and uh, to be able to be that close to the games and be able to interact with, you know, Steve Young's and, RG3s and, uh, and Booker McFarlane, some very knowledgeable guys that I got. I learned a great deal from. Anything surprise you about the broadcasting business now that you're in front of the camera and you see what's going on behind the scenes? Surprise me. Um, Anything you learn, maybe. You're like, okay, I didn't quite realize that. No, you can really differentiate yourself, you know, if you put in the work and, and do the homework in terms of studying, right? Um, I think a lot of guys... You know, when they play the game, they think, like, well, if you can attest to this, you know, you think that you can just walk off the field and do the media at a high level by just just because you play. But that's not that's not realistic. There's a reason that yeah. you know, there's people out there who've been doing this for 25 and 30 years at the highest level is because they have a, a level of commitment and dedication that makes them special. And you have to take that same level of dedication that you took when you were, you know, a professional athlete and take that same um, motivation to, to broadcasting or to whatever media platform you're you're going to be in, and um, you know, it's, it's, there's no shortcuts. If you want to be good, you got to put the work in, like anything else in life. What was the hardest part about that, Larry? Specifically, what was the hardest part about broadcasting? Uh, you know, I mean, like you guys are on radio, right? So you get a chance to to be on air, um, you know, regularly, and you have a lot of time that you have to fill. Like on TV, you know, you literally have you know, four or five segments. So you don't have a whole lot of things you can talk about. You just have high-level thoughts, you know, that mm. that the audience can really understand and relate to. I can't go out there and talk X's and O's and, you know, depths on certain routes and this coverage because most people that are listening don't have any idea what I'm talking about. So being able to condense it down to make, you know, valid points that are factual, you know, utilizing, you know, the relationships that you have around the league with coaches and players, et cetera, to be able to have and and also using analytics um, to be able to tie those all in to make you know very tight um, you know valid points you know that the audience can resonate with. Yes, Larry Fitzgerald is our guest here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. By the way, if you're scoring at home, is 13th all-time appearance on the Big Red Rage, going back to 04. Cardinals have a brand new head coach, Jonathan Gannon. He's talking about accountability, something Michael Bidwell cited in the offseason as what's needed in this rebuild, trying to establish a culture. What's a common trait in your experience in having an effective culture, Larry? And and what do you think is part of that accountability? Where does it start? What does it look like? Well, I mean, you look around the league and you look at the, the best teams, right? Um, you know, accountability is something that I hear a lot of people talk about, but it has to be something that the players – because the players police the locker room. You know, when I got to Arizona, um, you know, our record wasn't wasn't great. But, you know, the way Emmett Smith went about his business, the way Adrian Wilson went about the, their business, it was something that I could look to and say, look, these guys are, are doing it at a high level, not only professionally on the football field, but they're doing it at a high level as men, individuals, and leaders. And so you have to develop that leadership, like, like the players that you draft, the free agents that you bring in, have to embody a lot of those characteristics because then it, then the coach doesn't have to talk about why are you late to practice, that the energy in practice needs to pick up. Like those things do not even happen to be addressed. You know, I look back to when Kirk came and, you know, how he really shifted, you know, how things were going. Um, 
You know, I thought I was practicing hard enough. I thought I was putting in the work. But no, Kurt said Isaac Bruce and Tori Holt are doing it at this level. And if you want to be at that level, these are the things that you're going to have to do. And so it's a trickle-down effect. Um, and I don't know if it's necessary. I don't know if it's always on the coaches to bring those type of things. It, it really comes down to the players. And, you know, I think about the great leadership they have in that, that locker room. You know, Buda Baker, if you have 53 Buda Bakers, you would never lose a football game, ever. Because the guy is built of like, he is made of all the greatest things that you can ever have in, in a football player. I mean, the work ethic, you know, all the intangibles, the intelligence, willing to play through injuries for, for his brothers. I mean, all of these things are, are, are model. Like you could, you could build a model with that guy, right? So you can't tell me that, that there's not wonderful leadership in that, in that locker room. Yeah, Larry, you know, Jonathan Gannon was talking to Peter King about using Kyler Murray under center a lot more right now. Y- your thoughts on that, Larry? How do you think that might help Kyler Murray? In, in theory, you would like him to be able to do it because, um, you know, it opens up some things that, that weren't possible, you know, in, in previous years. Um, but it's something that he's not had to work on. I mean, I, I can't even tell you. You know, just looking back in college history, last time he's actually taken a snap under center, you know, um, that's not something that you just, you know, get right into. I mean, you need you need lots of practice with the center that you have a great rapport with. So that, that's going to take time. What's his ceiling? You saw Jalen Hurts, you know, take a huge leap forward, second team all pro this year. How much more potentially than Kyler has in this offense has? Well, I mean, you look, the Eagles, I mean, they're just, they're a really well solid built team. Jalen Hurst did not have to go out and win every single game. Um, you know, there's games that the Philadelphia Eagles rushed for 350 yards. There's games that they threw for over 350 yards. There's, there's games where they had, you know, double digit sacks where the defense, you know, really was dominant. Now they could beat you in a plethora of different ways. Um, I think Kyler has to play or has had to play at a much higher level. Um, you know, than Jalen has has had to, and you know, to to explain it, like there's more that's required of Kyler for the Cardinals to win than there is for Jalen for the Eagles to win. Um, you know, just because of the how the team is built. Fitzy, do you like the fact that Jonathan Gannon is a defensive-minded head coach? No, I don't think there's a problem with with having that. Uh, um, you know, but I just think it's important to be able to have somebody that can communicate um, effectively what the expectations are offensively because, you know, often when you have a defensive coach, they, they spend, you know, the lion's share of their time with the defense. And when you hire an offensive staff, usually they spend the lion's share of their time focused on the offense. And I think that, you know, to, to really develop, uh, you know, a young team like the Cardinals are, um, you know, you have to be all hands on. And, you know, I just hope that he really, you know, can surround Kyler with the things he needs, you know, so he can so he can be effective. Do you remember B.A.'s first training camp, early in camp? He yelled at you in front of everyone. Yeah. When you look back at that, do you think that was by design that he said, you know what, if I'm holding the superstar Larry Fitzgerald accountable, then everyone's going to have to fall in line? Yeah, I had, I had no problem being coached, like, whatsoever. Like, in – you know, I, I think the the best I, I ever was was when I had guys who were really, really hard on me. I mean, Todd Haley, I mean, he was he was he was miserable to be around most days. <laughs> yeah. He was the and, bad and cop. I'm not, I'm not saying that in a negative way, but he he knew what I needed 
to take me to the level that I was trying to go to. And often players don't know what you need. Um, you know, when you're really good and you've had success in every single level, you don't always have an understanding of what you really need to take yourself to that to that next level, right? Um, and, you know, Todd was able to extract, you know, every ounce of that out of me, and, and it was by any means necessary. I didn't necessarily like the way he did it, but he brought the best out of me. And, like, you know, you need to find that out from your players. Like, what can they take? What can they tolerate before – you know, they become despondent and, and unwilling to learn and participate any longer, right? And everybody has a different leash, right? Um, you know, I could, it, it didn't matter what you said to me, long as it wasn't like a personal thing. You know, you said I, I was playing mm -hmm. like crap and I, and I need to be better. Like, I had no problem with that. And I had no problem with it being done loud because if, because everybody can see the tape. If I'm not making the plays that you expect me to make, it's not like you're telling me something that everybody else in this locker room, everybody else in the world can't see. You're not getting open and you're not making the play. It's not, this is not personal. This is just business, right? Um, and I think, you know, guys need to be, you know, held accountable. You need to be talked to um, and, and held to a high standard. You know, Larry, you were involved, obviously, in the Super Bowl host committee. Um, what did you do and did you enjoy that? I loved it, um, and I thank Michael Bidwell for, you know, connecting me and, get, and getting me involved in it. You know, I remember the call, you know, a year and a half ago when he called me and, and asked me, um, you know, that the, the host committee was considering offering me a position, and I kind of asked him what it, what it would entail. He gave me a, um, you know, a lengthy um, explanation of what exactly will happen um, and how, how it will go, and it went exactly the way he explained it to me. Um, I was really, really privileged to be a part of it. You know, I told a story in the introduction press conference, you know, when the Super Bowl kicked off on, on Monday about how when you're a player playing in a game, you have no idea about how any of these things are happening. You get off the plane and the buses are there waiting for you. Um, you're not telling the buses where to go. They know exactly where to go. They drop you off at a designated location. The room keys are sitting there waiting for you when you get off the bus. You go up to your room, the bags are, are wait. They come up in a few a, a few minutes after that. Like, you really don't have to think about any of those things. But, you know, now being a part of, so to speak, how the sausage was made, like, th there's a lot of planning and meticulous detail that goes into that, you know, in terms of the, the money that's raised to go to all these wonderful causes and charities around the city, you know, to make sure that the financial impact is not just the one-week financial impact, that it has – a trickle-down effect to a lot of the wonderful things that you're doing in those communities and, and the planning that goes behind that. And so it was great to be able to see that, to be able to meet some some prominent business associates and see how, you know, government, you know, from every level to corporate America can work together to, to create such a magnificent event. Last question for Larry Fitzgerald, who might be busier now than he was as a player. Part of it is you're a part owner in a pickleball team. What intrigues you about pickleball, and what sort of future do you see for the sport? Well, I see a, I see a really big future for it. It's the fastest-growing sport in the game. It's one of the few games that I've ever seen and played that you can, in 10 minutes, you know, four people start playing. They've never played it before. You explain the rules, the do's and the don'ts, and in, and in 10 minutes, those four players could be having a great time. If I told you, I handed you a golf club, I said, I want you to be able to hit this golf club straight, and I want you to be able to hit a draw tomorrow and a, and a cut the next day. It would take that person seven, eight months of hitting balls every single day. You know, if I gave you a tennis racket and I said, look, I want you to be able to have an effective serve, it would take you a year of practice for you to be able to go out there and have a serve that you can win with. You know, those games are really hard to, to pick up and adopt. You know, pickleball is very different from that. And also, my six-year-old son can play. 
mm. and and so and so can my ninety my ninety year old grandmas. They can have fun. You know, it's not many games where you can see that they can span that um, that large of an of an age gap. So I, I think it's a really really great game. Wonderful way for people to to get together and uh, and be a part of the community. And I think there's a there's a lot of lot of ways the game can continue to grow. You know, Fitzy, from what I hear, Pitt's pickleball team sucks buttermilk. I, is that true? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm familiar that uh, that Pitt even has a pickleball team, um, <laughs> but I'm pretty I'm pretty sure if they do, they would be West Virginia. <laughs> Larry, we know you got stuff to do. You, Love you, Larry. You got to pick up Devin, man. We thank you seriously. Thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Uh, so it's always good to hang with you guys, and uh, congratulations on, on 600, and, and I hope for another 600. Absolutely. Right Appreciate on, it. And we're going to blame 500 on COVID or Wolf, one or the other. So <laughs> thanks, Larry. I know, I know, I know Wolf and his West Virginia roots. I understand. <laughs> right. From Buffalo, Larry. Yeah. Thank you. There you go. Larry Fitzgerald, who, who retired without ever using the word retirement. It's a, it was a masterful plan. There's no doubt about it. We'll be back with more of the Big Red Rage right after this. The vision of how I want to play defense and how I want the defensive players to act and the coaches to serve the players. He had that vision. He shared that vision with me. Uh, very high capacity, very high character, which were those were the two most um, important part of pieces for me hiring coaches. And he has those and uh, complete faith in Nick to run the defense. And he will run the defense. Jonathan Gannon confirming that Nick Rowless will call the defense so the Cardinals new head coach will be a CEO overseeing the defense and the offense but he will not be the play caller on defense like he was with the Eagles in fact you're talking about the Eagles linebackers coach Nick Rowless who is now on board at age 29 the NFL's youngest coordinator in the league it is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert we are Santan Ford Paul Calvisi Ron Wolfley special thanks to Larry Fitzgerald the legend for joining us in the last segment and hitting all things Arizona Cardinals and look uh, it's a young staff Wolf I I don't know um, you know to what degree you view that as a concern at all it was brought up during the press conference and it was a question posed right to Nick Rowless and his answer was exactly what Jonathan Gannon has told him over the years and they almost recited it together in rote fashion when they said and I'm quoting experience is not synonymous with knowledge in other words capability not birth certificate, just can you do the job <laughs> and to what level. And Jonathan Gannon feels like he's identified a lot of high performers. Yeah, you know what, Polly? Yeah, I, I love that attitude. I really do because it shows an awful lot of confidence in yourself. And I'm not disagreeing with anything that he implied or he said there, Polly. But I will tell you right now, the proof is in the pudding, so to speak. Going out and getting it done on the field. That's the only way to do it. And you know what I love, Paul? I love this because the NFL, as you know, I've said this many times, Paulie, it's a meritocracy, man. It's the it's the ultimate meritocracy. It really is. you got to prove yourself. I, I don't care if you're a holder on extra point and field goal, Paul. you got to prove yourself that you can actually catch that ball, put that ball down, and hold that thing perfectly for the kicker so he can kick the ball through. I, I don't care what position you're playing. I don't care if you're a coach, a player, a trainer. I don't care what it is. If you don't know what you're 
you're doing, you will be exposed. <laughs> you will. If you do, you will be glorified. There's no doubt about that. And it's a prove-it league, Paul, through and through. And what I love about this is Nick Rollis knows that better than anybody else. JG knows it better than anybody else. Drew Petzing knows it better than anybody else. It is a meritocracy. They wouldn't have it any other way. Let me prove to you what it is that I know. Well, Nick Rollis had interest from the Broncos before he took the Cardinals job. In fact, you may have seen the Broncos today. Made it official. Vance Joseph is the defensive coordinator, the former head coach of Denver and former Cardinals defensive coordinator, obviously. Philly had interest in retaining Nick Rowless after Jonathan Gannon came to the Cardinals. But there he is. He's on the Cardinals staff. He's running the defense. And he was asked about keys to finding success as a D.C. Being adaptable and more specifically be adaptable to the players that you have, right? Being able to utilize our guys' skill sets that puts them in the best position to win games. Ultimately, what do we have to do on a week-to-week basis to beat the opponent? And... There's a whole other component of tar- as far as serving the players, right? And that's everybody in the organization doing what their job is in order to truly maximize a player's ability and potential. Your reaction to that, Wolf? Paulie, I'm loving this. What I'm hearing from Jonathan Gannon, of course, and from Nick Rollis. I love this approach right here. They're not being ideologues, Paul. They're not being dogmatic. They're not saying there's there's only one way to skin a cat. There is not just one way to skin a cat, metaphorically speaking, of course. There are many ways you can actually do this. I love the fact that they're not saying there is only one way to do it, and I happen to know how to do it. They're using the adaptable word, Paulie. <laughs> We're going to be adaptable offensively and defensively, and in transition, We are going to adapt. I love that approach. And you know what? There's a reason, I think, and you're onto it. There's a reason that was the first word he listed in his opening press conference, Jonathan Gannon, when he was asked about the four pillars of his coaching philosophy. He said adaptable, violent, explosive, and smart in that order. And he went on to elaborate later that if you are of the mindset that there's one way and it's your way or the highway, you're DOA. You're you're dead in the water <laughs> because you are predictable and you better yes. be able to evolve. And, and let's face it, especially in 2021, Wolf, after the 7-0, and 10-2 start, how many times in December and January did we say about the Arizona Cardinals they needed to adjust to the adjustment? A season is a constant yes. evolution. And, and I think we can look at that and cite that as one of the culprits of the fact the Cardinals have lost 18 of the last 23 and why there was a house cleaning after this campaign. Yeah, no, you're right on that, Paulie. You really are. One of the other things I want to say quickly about the Nick Rollis presser, in one answer, Paul, he used the V word, violence, three times. <laughs> in one answer, he referenced it. And, Paulie, you know, we all know we're talking about the white lines, the paradigm of the football field and being out on a football field. And doggone it, Paul, one of the great things about the game of football is you can actually be violent in between those white lines. And then, Paul, you walk outside those white lines, you love people, respect them, and treat them better than yourself. It doesn't get any better (laughs) as a grown man, I'm telling you. And they're using that word, not only JG using that word, but Nick Rollis, his defensive coordinator, is 29 years old. He's using that word. Why? Because they're going to demand 
you play that way, Paul. That's something Rollis even pointed out. He said, we're going to demand that they play violently out on the field with a lot of explosiveness. I'm paraphrasing him, but that's what he said, Paul. And that, to me, that's how you play the game of football. I'm sorry. That's playoff football personified. The most physical team typically wins. It's the NFC West against the Aaron Donalds and Nick Bosa's, and now you got to try and tackle a Kenneth Walker in Seattle. So it's all of that, and it's all wrapped in this energy that is palpable when you're yes. around this coaching staff. In yes. fact, the new D.C., Nick Rowless, was asked just about the energy that comes with Jonathan Gannon and company. Being energetic is not the same thing as, as being emotional. You know, one thing that I always strive to be and that I expect from, from my staff defensively is to be highly emotionally intelligent and to be the same person every single day. And I, I kind of refer to it often as emotional intelligence of ultimately being in a state of mind where you are optimal to solve problems. And that is not the same thing as being energetic. I think you have to have both. Wolf, here's a little anecdote for you. In the one week that Jonathan Gannon has been head coach, just walking around the Dignity Health Training Center, the Cardinals headquarters, yeah, you can hear him. You can hear him from the other side of the building. You you can hear the enthusiasm. Right? When he came into the press conference yesterday to introduce Nick Rowless, we had our backs to the door, and all of a sudden, all you hear, Wolf, it's like this. Like, okay, all right, let's go. Here we are. And everyone turns around the media, and there's the head coach. And he's talking about how the meetings are going to be very interactive, that he doesn't want guys regurgitating. He's going to be calling on guys, and he wants input and feedback. And so it's, you know, when he says buckle up, he means it. And I think you'll get a sense of that tonight on Cardinals' flight plan. You're going to be on that plane flight from Philadelphia to the AZ with Jonathan Gannon and his family. You're going to be with Michael Bidwell a day in the life. It debuts tonight at 7, the Emmy Award-winning series. Catch it live on the Cardinals' YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash azcardinals or on demand thereafter as Cardinals' flight plan debuts. We'll talk offense with a brand-new offensive coordinator next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. I structured everybody that I interviewed around Kyler. The questions I was asking about philosophically, how we're going to play on offense, what I think is really hard for defenses moving forward into 2023 and beyond. Um, A lot of those had to do with Kyler. Uh, In my opinion, that's the one of the number one jobs of the offensive coordinator is to maximize the skill set of the quarterback and the other positions as well. But we know that's the position that makes it go. So uh, that was uh, very centric around all the interviews. And um, I liked his answer. That is Jonathan Gannon hours ago during the introductory press conference for new offensive coordinator Drew Petzing, just on Kyler Murray being the focal point of those offensive coordinator interviews. And that's usually where it began and ended. And, well, it's a good example, as this show is, of what you like to talk about blending the new and the old, right? The traditional and the innovative. Because here on this episode of The Big Red Rage, it is show number 600, thinking about that, right? Going back more than two decades. And we're introducing a brand new coaching staff and hearing for the first time from the new coordinators. So in that way, we're sort of blending the new and the old here on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert, where earlier we heard from Larry Fitzgerald, Larry Legend himself. And now, look, Larry played with Kyler. We heard some of the comments about Kyler. 
And I think everyone agrees there's still a lot of upside, wouldn't you say, Wolf, that needs to be unlocked with Kyler Murray? Yeah, oh, no doubt about that, Paulie. And again, I've been saying this, and I'll continue to say it. I think Kyler Murray needs to fall in love with the game of football all over again. He's got to learn the old, if you will. He's got to learn how to play from under center, learn that package of plays that the Arizona Cardinals, I think, are going to have him run and master those plays. And if, in fact, he does that, allows himself to fall in love with the game all over again, not just what he's already experienced, not what he knows just now with the new offense, the new age offense, but also blending it with some of the old elements that to me gets me all fired up and one of the one of the things that fires me up about Drew Petzing Paulie I just got to say this right now hired as the new offensive coordinator at the age of 35 the Cleveland Browns quarterback coach I love the fact that he's coming from an offense that I think blends the old and the new better or or as well as anybody that is out there When you look at Nick Chubb and how they use Nick Chubb, where they would put their quarterback under center and they would use Nick Chubb attacking the line of scrimmage, and then the bootlegs and the waggles that come off of that and the play action that comes off of that as well. Paulie, they were in two back in Cleveland. Now, that's not going to happen here, okay? But they were in two back in Cleveland 22% of the time in rundown situation. They're typically an 11 personnel team 50% of the time. They were in 11 personnel, but this is a team, the Cleveland Browns, that blended the old and the new, and I'm really jacked up because I'm hoping Drew Petzing is definitely going to bring that here. No, that's a great point. You're absolutely right. In fact, he was asked about Kyler Murray and just whether he can still be expected to be a running quarterback, and and Drew Petzing said yes, that that will continue to be a big part of Kyler's game, and he, quote, doesn't expect that to change. So I think has to be, Paulie. I, I think there's absolutely going to be those aspects of that. That Brown, and by the way, the Browns, by the way, were without Deshaun Watson for two thirds of last season, which might be real similar to where the Cardinals are. We'll see on the timetable for <laughs> Kyler Murray, but he's been there and done that, missing his franchise quarterback and uh, having to figure something else out. And you know, because Kyler's rehab, and in fact, Drew Petzing, the new OC, was asked about how Kyler can just learn the offense while he's in rehab. A lot of that's going to come from the meeting rooms. Uh, certainly, you know, expect him to still be involved in the meetings at walkthroughs. I know it's something, you know, we'll meet with him and he's, you know, he puts in time to make sure that he's ready to go. So a lot of it may be more oriented to the classroom, whether it's quizzes or watching tape or asking questions. What do you think, Wolf, the learning curve? And, and, and yeah. what kind of challenge is that going to be when he's going to be limited, obviously, physically? Yeah, you know, I don't know, Paul. I don't know what to say on that because you do want to get out there and you do want to rep it. You want to know what that bootleg is like and what that what that seven-step drop is going to be like. Um, I don't know. He, he's going to be able to see it reel after reel after reel on tape. He's going to be able to see it, but I don't think we're really going to know, Paulie, until he gets the opportunity to do it. And it's just the way that it is. It's the nature of the beast right now is he's trying to rehab. He's got to get himself right, number one. But so much of getting yourself right physically is also about overcoming mentally. And it's also interesting to note that Colt McCoy is dealing with injury right now as well. And it, yeah. it, it will impact his offseason to a certain degree. So as if the Cardinals weren't already in the market for a quarterback, we'll see exactly 
what happens, a lot of people speculating already, Jacoby Brissett (laughs) could be headed to the AZ from Cleveland. Obviously, that direct connection to Drew Petzing. And not only that, Paulie, here's a guy, if it were to be Jacoby Brissett, that you would bring in here and say, okay, you know what, uh, just in case, um, we're going to bring him in here knowing that Kyler is going to miss probably at least a few games in the beginning of the season, and Colt McCoy should be okay for that. But still, you're going to bring somebody in with experience, and the Cleveland Brown offense, once again, is a blending of the old and the new, and Jacoby Brissett could really help the other quarterbacks in that room absorb this offense, Paul. Especially if he knows the language, right? Yeah. I I don't know if Drew Petzing is going to use the Kevin Stefanski system, you know, verbatim, but that could be a real asset in that room if that guy knows, you know, for example, a Drew Stanton was brought in with Bruce Arians way back in the day. Why? Because he knew BA system (laughs) and he actually taught it to Carson Palmer. It's a great example, Paul. Hey, once again, Cardinals flight plan. Don't miss it. Top of the hour here, moments away. You're going to get a day in the life of Michael Bidwell, the owner, during Super Bowl week. That plane flight, the Gannon family from Philly to the AZ. It's YouTube.com slash AZ Cardinals. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention that. Show number 600, the Big Red Raid show itself is all about our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. Yep. He has been the identity of the show for 22 seasons. Show number 600. Props and plaudits to our own Jim Omohundro, executive producer. Cody Fincher, thank you. For Ron Wolfley, I'm Paul Calvisi. Special thanks to Larry Fitzgerald on show number 600 of The Big Red Rage. Ciao. Number one, Tyler Murray. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.